Welcome to Gil Reads Comics, where I recap and review your favorite comics as I guide my non-comic reading brother Adam through the world of heroes and villains. On today's episode, we're talking about Spider-Geddon, issue 2, released October 24th, 2018. This issue was written by Christus Gage, with art by Jorge Molina. There is an epidemic affecting children everywhere. Comic books. Comics everywhere. Avengers, Batman, Wonder Woman, and they're in movies now, too. In the real world, there is no good and evil. Enough! I'm reading comics, and no one's gonna stop me. Before we get into the episode, just some quick housekeeping stuff. First... Usually, I do this podcast with my brother, Adam, but he is in med school, which means that every once in a while, he is extremely busy. And I really wanted to record an episode tonight, but he wasn't available. The funny thing is, he's actually in New York City tonight. Normally, he's, uh, that's where I live. Normally, he's not here. So he's around, but he told me he's at a social event tonight which I thought was a weird way of phrasing it. Every time I said to him, where are you going again tonight? He says, going to a social event. So in any case, he's not here, but I didn't want to stop that from getting out an episode, especially since Spider-Geddon issue two came out this week. And I'm super excited for this event. I loved issue one. Couldn't wait to see where it goes next. So I wanted to get an episode out. Now, Thankfully, last night, Adam and I were recording another podcast we do called Saulcast about the TV show Better Call Saul. But either way, after we recorded our episode, I got him to stick around for 10 minutes so I could at least get him on this episode for a little bit to talk about some comic book news. So today we'll kick things off with that comic news where Adam will join me and then it's going to be tough. But I will take you through Spider-Geddon Issue 2 on my own. Uh, One other thing I want to mention, although Adam is not on today's episode, he will be coming back for an episode that will be released in the next few days. And I cannot wait for this episode. This is the Gil Reads Comics Spooktacular. We're going to have it out a few days before Halloween, and it's going to be amazing. It'll be an audio podcast, like usual. You'll be able to listen to it here. But there's going to be video that goes along with it. Optional, but I recommend you check it out because it'll enhance the experience. I'm talking costumes, you know, Halloween decorations. So if you love Halloween as much as I do, you're going to want to check this episode out and get in the Halloween spirit. We have some awesome stuff planned for it, horror comics. I don't want to tell you too much because I want some of it to be a surprise, But just be on the lookout, watch the feed, check out the Twitter account, at Gil Reads Comics, where I'll post a link to the audio and the YouTube video. It's going to be amazing. But that is for another day. Today, we're talking about Spider-Geddon, Issue 2. The Inheritors are here. Spider-Geddon is upon us. Let's get into it. Comic or comic-related news. Adam, yeah, you are very busy these days, and uh, you're not able to join me on this episode, so I wanted to at least squeeze in, you know, five, ten minutes of your time while I have you, so we can talk some news. You got to give the people what they want. So I had just a couple of quick news stories for you where I wanted to get your reactions. Uh, the first one is, you know the show Gotham? Yeah. On Fox? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what was that long pause? I said yeah already. (laughs) (laughs) I think I just assumed that you didn't know it. So when you said yeah, my brain just blocked it out. (laughs) You just don't accept. You got to keep insisting that I don't read comics or know anything about them. Adam, you don't know who Batman is, right? You got me. Yeah, exactly. So the show Gotham is Bruce Wayne's a kid. It's about Jim Gordon when he was younger. You know, he's one of those cops that's uh, fighting against a dirty system. Well, that show is in its last season right now, and they are introducing Bane. You want to see a picture? Yeah. 
All right. Now, for those of you, this is obviously not this is not a video episode. Uh, go to Google, type in Bane Gotham, or you'll find the picture. Make the picture of him the art for this episode. Oh, okay, yeah. So you'll see it. This will be the thumbnail for this episode, and I'll link to it. Mm, they can see it on your Twitter. Oh yeah. Hey, check out my Twitter at Gil Reads Comics. I'll tweet out the photo. All right, here you go, Adam. I just want to get your live reaction to it. Mm, he looks like he he looks like if the Nazis tried to make a Terminator. All right. Does it look good? What do you think? No. <laughs> His well, look. Maybe it's a bad angle. So, show, are you going to show me another angle? <laughs> I don't. I don't have. Yeah, here you go. This is him holding a water bottle. Oh, I didn't even notice his hair. He looks like a cyberpunk. Yeah. He's he, well. Now, to be fair, these are set photos, so they're not really cleaned up. He might look. This is what I think. There's going to be visual effects. You know, this happens all the time. There will be a set photo. Everyone freaks out because it looks terrible. <laughs> and then in the final product, it looks a lot better because they apply the special effects. So I showed that to you because I thought it would be funny to get your reaction. But no disrespect to that show. I think it's going to look better when we actually see the episode. All right. I mean, I imagine the show has probably had pretty good costume design so far. Is that is that yeah. accurate? I don't know. I, know, I haven't watch watched it. the show since. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll say when that show first came out, I was so excited for it. I remember I had a job interview that day. I got back home really late. I was going to have to get up at like four in the morning. So I watched the premiere and sacrificed a full night's sleep so I could stay up and watch it. And I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, it wasn't, you know, it's pre Batman. Mm. And for me, it's like I need I need my Batman, so uh, I didn't keep up with the series. That makes sense. But why can't I've got one more piece of news for you? The, oh, go the ahead. The Bane costume in Dark Knight Rises was perfect. Why don't they just do that? Why does it have yeah. to be different? I don't, know. I don't know. Like the the Bane you showed me looked like he belonged in in a punk band. Yeah, or in a Power Rangers episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, when I first saw him, actually, in that picture, he reminded me of Adam, the villain in a season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, who's like this cybernetic dude. Oh, yeah. Yeah, where he was kind of, uh, he could stick needles out of his arm, and he was, yeah, cyborg, basically. All right, I don't like to be too negative, so let's, uh, let's bring it up. And we're close to Halloween so I do have a sort of spooky mm. Halloween-related piece of news for you. You know Bruce Campbell? Yeah, I've met him. Oh, yeah. Oh, tell that story. Uh, what was the movie he, he made? What was that called? It was My Name is Bruce, I think. Yeah, right? so he made a movie called My Name is Bruce, and it was a fun, like campy horror movie. So uh, my friends and I went and saw it at a screening in New York when we were younger and he was there and he used to be in the old spice commercials. So my friends right. and I, we really wanted his attention. So we all went out beforehand and bought old spice body spray. And so as he was walking into the room and the crowd was going nuts, all three of us were, were in the, like on the aisle seat. So we started spraying our old spice into the air as he walked past. He, so he walked through a cloud of old spice and he goes, smells like money. <laughs> and then he kept going <laughs> that's so awesome yeah because he gave you the exact response you wanted yes it's perfect well, that, that was that's an amazing memory yeah so we love bruce campbell we love ash we love evil dead what else do we love burn notice no, bubba hotep oh <laughs> <laughs> remember when he played elvis yeah it was, uh, I forget the exact premise of that movie, but it was basically, um, it turns out Elvis didn't die. He's secretly alive at an old, an old folks home living with uh, John F. Kennedy, who some somehow turned black, like African-American. <laughs> and the two of them team up to fight demons. Yeah. Um, I'm about to show you an image that 
essentially sums up why I love comic books. All right? All right. <laughs> Army of Darkness, Bubba Hotep, issue one. And we it's see... team up. Yeah, wait, so Bruce Campbell... Is Bruce Campbell teaming up with his character from the movie? <laughs> no, no, no. Ash from Evil Dead, oh. the character, is teaming up with Bubba Hotep. That's awesome. Yeah, so that is, uh, I think I, I'm going to check that out. See, that's uh, a cool that thing. Released. That's yeah, a cool thing about comics because you couldn't get away with that on screen that easily. Right. They actually came close years ago. Remember uh, Freddy versus Jason? Yeah. They were doing a sequel to that or talking about a sequel, and there was serious talk of doing Freddy versus Jason versus Ash. That was going to be an actual movie in theaters. Huh. Uh, and it sort of fell apart because it's tough to make that movie. The uh, Ash has to win, right? Yeah. It's the only way you Unle- can make Unless that he movie. like loses in a way that opens up a sequel possibility. Oh, so it's too bad they didn't think of that or they maybe could have made that movie. Mm-hmm. But they, they, the movies couldn't do it. Comics did it. They haven't they have two Ash versus Evil Dead or Ash versus um, Freddy versus Jason comic books, and they were pretty good. I read them both. Hmm. There you go. Yeah. Did you read this one? No, I actually don't think this one's out yet. No. This was uh, just. I, this might have just been announced today. We should uh, do an episode about it when it comes out. Yeah, exactly. We should do that. And by the way, that's a great reminder. Another one for why you should follow me on Twitter at Gil Reads Comics because I retweeted that uh, that comic announcement earlier right today. you you devour comic book news so you, you usually see it before most people you could be the sounding board for everything that's important that all the listeners want to know about right exactly like you stay up until midnight just refreshing waiting to see if your comics show up on comiXology yeah yesterday i went on google and i typed in uh evil dead meets bubba hotep and zero search results <laughs> Waited an hour. I searched again. No search results. <laughs> and I kept searching it over and over. And then lo and behold, I searched it. There was one result. And they announced that they're doing an Evil Dead Bubba Hotep crossover. Because uh, I had a feeling they would. <laughs> I know? think they just did it because they kept seeing you refresh that result. Like, there must be demand for it. Let's just make it. They, so they whipped, yeah, up, Google they whipped up a cover real quick. Yeah. Our number one most searched term is Evil Dead meets Bubba Hotep. This is going to make billions. <laughs> For those of you that are unaware, spider Geddon is a major event happening right now in the Marvel Universe. It serves as a sequel to a big crossover from 2014 called Spider-Verse. I'm going to go into a little bit of background on what happened in Spider-Verse to give you some of the information that you'll need to fully enjoy Spider-Geddon. If you already know what happened in Spider-Verse and you feel like you don't need the refresher, you can probably skip forward a couple minutes. You can check the show notes where I'll give the exact timestamp for when we'll get into Spider-Geddon issue 2, which is the focus of today's episode. Usually, I'd use Adam as my barometer of what people do or don't know about comics. Since he's not here, I'm going to have to guess. But I'm assuming he doesn't know a lot about Spider-Verse or the Inheritors, Totems, all the things that are important to this story. So, there are many heroes in the Marvel Universe that have animal-based powers. Like Spider-Man, like Black Panther... You might not know this, but those heroes are actually totems, which is a bridge between man and beast, or woman and beast. There is a godlike being, a deity, called the Master Weaver, who looks kind of like a big spider and sits in this big web called the Web of Life and Destiny, where he watches over the fate of all these spider totems, because... We live in a multiverse, right? There's many universes out there. The Marvel comics traditionally focus on our universe, which is known as Earth-616. But there are a whole bunch of other worlds out there with their own version of Spider-Man, 
uh, could be a spider woman, but all these spider people. And the Master Weaver watches over all of them. There are these people called the Inheritors. They're kind of like vampires, but instead of blood, what they eat is, is totem energy. So they want to find all these spider people and kill them to take their energy, which lets them live forever. And they, they sort of dress up like formal rich people in the Wild West. Think of, think of the people you'd see in a salon if you watch the show uh, Westworld. Anyway, they at one point fought and imprisoned the Master Weaver, which lets them use the web of life and destiny to travel across dimensions. And back in the 2014 Spider-Verse event, they did exactly that in order to track down, kill, and suck the totemic power out of Spider-People. So if you are a version of Spider-Man, Spider-Woman, you know, you could be, there's actually somebody out there called Spider-Ham, who's an anthropomorphic pig that dresses up in a Spider-Man costume. So these Spider-People aren't even all people. At least one of them is an animal. If you are one of these spider characters, you're worried. Because these inheritors are strong. There's a, there's only six of them, but there's a reason that all these spider people team up. One of them could never defeat an inheritor on their own. So when these guys and gals show up, the inheritors, when they show up, you've got to get worried. So last time around, back in Spider-Verse, the Spider-People, some of them died, but the ones that lived, they all teamed up, and they they uh, sent the Inheritors to basically a garbage dimension. They sent them to another universe where the Earth has been destroyed by a nuclear explosion. And then the superior Spider-Man who is actually Peter Parker, or Spider-Man's enemy, Dr. Octavius, in Peter Parker's body, known as Superior Spider-Man, he killed the Master Weaver so that the Inheritors could no longer travel between dimensions and they would be trapped on this garbage world. And one interesting wrinkle to all this. The Inheritors, like I said, there's six of them. Five of them are men. One of them is a woman, and they're all brothers and sisters. Um, but, but one of the inheritors uh, is named Karn, and he was outcast by the family years ago because in the original battle against the Master Weaver, Karn hesitated. Why did he hesitate? You'll find out why in a moment. But Karn hesitated, and because of that, the unnamed matriarch of the inheritor's family was killed. So they all hate him now. And Karn is also, he's not really, he's done evil things, you know, to be part of the family, but he's not really down with the evil. What he really wants to do is travel to all these different universes and see their beauty. But after they kill the Master Weaver, after the superior Spider-Man kills the Master Weaver, Karn decides to take his place. He becomes the Master Weaver. And then it is revealed that the original Master Weaver was Karn from the future the whole time. This is something known as a predestination paradox. One of those things that you probably don't want to think about too much or you'll get a headache. So the Inheritors are stuck on garbage in that garbage dimension. They'll be fine, right? They're not, they're not going to come back. Fast forward four years. It's 2018. Spider-Geddon's happening. So the Superior Octopus, formerly known as Superior Spider-Man, this is Dr. Otto Octavius, Peter Parker's sworn enemy, in a cloned body of Peter Parker, trying to be a good guy. He used to be a villain, trying to be heroic now but he's messing around with some cloning technology because he wants to make clones of himself and if he dies he can send his consciousness into one of those clones it's a backup plan 
But this cloning technology came from the inheritors. While he's doing all this, he's doing these experiments, a bunch of spider people show up in his lab. You've got Spider UK. That's the British Spider-Man. Mayday Parker. That's Spider-Woman. She is Peter Parker's daughter from another dimension. You've got Spider-Gwen. That is Gwen Stacy. In our world, Gwen Stacy was Peter Parker's first love. In this other dimension, Peter Parker is dead, and Gwen Stacy has become Spider-Woman, also known as Spider-Gwen. You've got the female Dr. Octopus. You've got Spider-Ham, that anthropomorphic pig Spider-Man I mentioned earlier. You've got Spider-Punk, no explanation needed. And, of course, Noir Spider-Man, who, by the way, is going to be voiced by Nicolas Cage in the upcoming Into the Spider-Verse film. Well, all these spider people show up in Doc Ock's lab, and they tell him, don't mess with this technology. If you do, you are risking opening up a doorway for the inheritors to come back from their radiated garbage dimension. He doesn't listen to them. And they come back. Three of them do. Morlin, that's the lead. And he's accompanied by his brother and sister, Verna and Genix. That all happened in issue one of Spider-Geddon. At the end of issue one, you see, you're, you're not too worried about the inheritors. You think, ah, it's just another bad guy, just another group of villains. They could stop him. All right, issue one, the inheritors kill Spider-UK. And they kill Noir Spider-Man. So they're powerful. And then at the end of the issue, Morlin, he departs, jumps to another dimension because, or no, actually it's in the same dimension, but he departs because he wants to go get revenge on Peter Parker. And you're getting confused because there's a lot of spider people out there. He's going to get revenge on our Peter Parker, the one that we know and love because in Spider-Verse, the last major crossover, Peter Parker is the one that led the effort to stop the Inheritors. Moreland can't have that, so he's going after Peter Parker. So in the aftermath of Noir Spider-Man and Spider-UK being killed, we start Spider-Geddon issue two. While Moreland is gone off to seek his revenge on Peter Parker, Verna and Genix get to work. They want to use the cloning technology in Doc Ock's lab to resurrect the rest of their family. Now, before we see what happens with them, let's see what Moreland's up to. To do that, you have to actually jump over to another comic book series. Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, Issue 311. Uh, now, these, these major crossover events like this, they will always have the main series, right? In this case, Spider-Geddon. And if you want to know what happens, all you have to do is read Spider-Geddon. But they'll have these side stories. Here's an example of one of them. Moreland going to get his revenge. And these side stories will typically take place in some other ancillary series. So I went ahead and read The Spectacular Spider-Man issue 311. And like I said, you don't have to read it. But if you're looking for a fun read, I'd recommend it. One of the tough things with these side stories is always that they can't really progress the main plot in any meaningful way. Because the plotting is left for the main series. In this case, Spider-Geddon. So in a way, these stories are hamstrung. And they have to make up for that lack of significant pro uh, plot progression. They have to make up for that by ramping up some of the other factors. The humor. The emotion. In this issue of Spectacular Spider-Man, they focus pretty, pretty heavily on that humor aspect. And they do a good job of it. It is a funny issue end-to-end. -end. And they have a couple of um, pretty, pretty strong emotional beats. I'll take you high level through what happens in this story. And just to give you an idea of how messed up these inheritors are, Moreland, remember, that's the lead inheritor. He narrates to himself, Three times, three times I have fought the Spider-Man of this world. 
he has defeated me three times. It is three times too many. He is food. Food does not win. I don't know if he really has a British accent. And I, I think that was a British accent. See, this is where it would be helpful for Adam to be here. He would, he would know what kind of accent that was, and he'd give me his feedback on that. But anyway, Moreland, you can see here, these, these people are sick. They have no conscience. Peter Parker is food. Peter Parker is one of our favorite characters who has been in one of the greatest comic series of all time for 60-plus years. To Moreland, he's a snack. When Moreland gets to Spider-Man, Spider-Man knows how strong the inheritors are, so he doesn't even try and fight. He runs, and he calls up his buddy, J. Jonah Jameson. Now, if you're only tangentially familiar with Spider-Man, you're surprised by this because Jonah and Spider-Man used to be enemies. Nowadays, they're friends, and J. Jonah Jameson actually knows who Spider-Man is. He knows that he is truly Peter Parker. So Peter, while he's running away from Moreland, calls up Jonah and asks him to go grab his watch, this special web watch. So there is a group of uh, spider folks called the Web Warriors. That's a handful of spider people from different dimensions, Spider-Gwen is one of them, that have teamed up and they wear these special watches that let them jump from dimensions. And they fight bad guys together. They gave Peter Parker one of these watches in case he ever needed it. Well, right now, he sees Moreland. He knows some interdimensional nonsense is going on. He wants that watch. While Jonah's looking for the watch, in a pretty funny scene where he's having a hard time finding it because of how much of a disaster Peter Parker's bedroom is, while Jonah's looking for that watch, Moreland beats the hell out of Peter Parker. And Peter's losing this battle. But Jonah gets to Peter and gives him the watch. But as soon as Peter has it, Moreland jumps over and grabs Pete's wrist. Busts that watch. Breaks it. To be continued. Back to Spider-Geddon, issue two. Verna and Genix two of the inheritors, without Moreland, they're going to try and use Otto Octavius's cloning technology to bring back the rest of their family. The spider people, they try and attack all at once to stop them from resurrecting their family. For some of them, the fight is personal. Well, really, it's personal for all of them. I mean, they saw two of their friends, two of their fellow spider totems, get killed last issue. But this is especially personal for May Day Parker because the inheritors killed her father, Peter Parker. So this is personal for you and me too. Now, it's not our Peter Parker. It's Peter Parker from another dimension, but all the same. You do not kill Peter Parker. Now, last issue was very action-heavy, and so is this one, which makes sense because when the inheritors show up, that's red alert. Right? They're dangerous, but this is a double-edged sword because it means the characters are in panic mode the whole time we see them. And that kind of gives short shrift to two things. Right? It's, it's fun to see all these spider people interact with each other. And that kind of has to be downplayed while all this fighting is going on. Also, Superior Octopus is an interesting character. He has to struggle between trying to be a hero despite his old evil ways. I want to see that humor, but you know, of the interaction between the characters. I want to see the Doc Ock struggle. But both of these things, like I said, kind of take a backseat to the nonstop action. Now, there is a moment where both of these qualities come to the surface in the midst of all this fighting. And it's a moment that I enjoyed. So Spider-Punk says, we've got to hit her all at once. Spider-Gwen jumps in. It won't be enough. Octavius, you're a supervillain. Haven't you got some sort of self-destruct for this place? Superior Octopus says, I am a hero. 
a superior hero to any of you Cretans. Then Gwen responds, Just answer the question. Ak comes back, Of course I do. So there's many moments in this issue where Doc Ock gets called out for being villainous or for being the one who caused all this mess to begin with just due to his hubris. He had to mess with the cloning tech even though he knew it came from the Inheritors. So I enjoy these moments. I want to see Doc Ock get raked over the coals. He's a genius, a really smart guy. So it'll be interesting to watch how he tries to rationalize his behavior. So I'm crossing my fingers that in one of the three remaining issues, there'll be some downtime, some quiet time between the nonstop battling where we can see more interactions between the characters, you know, when they're not in panic mode, and we can see Ock, Doc Ock, truly have to answer for his sins. So they start that self-destruct. The spider people all run away. And with 30 seconds left before that self-destruction, Spider-Gwen stays behind to keep the inheritors busy so they can't escape. But don't worry, she has her interdimensional wristwatch, just like the one that Peter Parker is trying to get. Because remember, Spider-Gwen is one of those web warriors. So there's nothing to worry about here. Right before the self-destruct goes off, she's going to activate the watch and zap her way out of there. I'm sure that's all going to go go according to plan. Now, between the nonstop battling, I gave you one example before, but I do want to give you another example of some of the humor they managed to, uh, to get into the page here. On page 7, you hear the voice from the lab. Attention! Self-destruct in 30 seconds. And then Spider-Ham. Now remember, Spider-Ham looks like a little cartoon pig in a Spider-Man outfit. He says to Dr. Octavius, you know, the superior octopus, Spider-Ham says to him, You gave it a countdown voice? And people call me cartoony. And then Superior Octopus says, Silence, swine. So despite my complaints, they do get some good quips in here. Now, Verna, she she heard this whole interaction, so she knows that Gwen has a a magic watch that lets you hop between dimensions, and, and Verna wants that watch. So she quickly gets the better of Gwen and starts to suck the totem life force out of her to kill her. Now, I, I mentioned uh, last issue, one of my complaints was that they killed two major characters, Spider-UK and Noir Spider-Man. But I, I essentially felt nothing because they didn't really give enough time in Spider-Geddon to, to really flesh out those characters and let us connect with them to a point where we, where we care when they die. And the other Spider-People are so busy fighting They don't really have a chance to mourn their fallen comrades. But I'm starting to see that there was some value in killing those two characters last issue because it tells us that death is on the table. And as a result, when Verna gets Gwen and starts to kill her, I worried. And Gwen is a character who I went into the the comic. I already had sort of an affinity for her, you know, from other series that I've read, but even if you didn't have that going in, she is a more established character in the Spider-Geddon series itself. We've already seen her to be kind-hearted. We've seen her to be a likable character. So most readers will like Spider-Gwen by the time they get to this page. You know that she might die because we've seen a couple of other characters die. So this is a real tense moment. But Verna doesn't know that Spider-Gwen's costume isn't just a costume. It's a symbiote. If Adam were, were on here, I'd ask him, Adam, do you know what a symbiote is? And he'd probably say something like, er, I don't know, uh, is that what, that's the thing that Venom is, right? And I'd tell him, yeah, Venom is a symbiote, which is a creature you can bond with to get sort of super strength and other Spider-Man-like powers. 
on Gwen's world, she got control over the symbiote and made a costume out of it. So when Verna goes to eat Spider-Gwen's energy, it's tainted. The, the symbiote is messing with that process. So she has to settle for just killing Gwen. Can't eat her energy and get that life-enhancing power. But this, this delay that the symbiote created has taken up a lot of time. So there's only a few seconds before the self-destruct. The whole building explodes. And the other spider people see this and freak out. Especially Miles Morales. Because he has a close relationship with Spider-Gwen. And they all assume that if Gwen Stacy had had the chance to use that dimension hop with her watch. She would have been back to them by now. So the fact that they saw the building explode and Gwen hasn't appeared. I mean, she must be dead. Right? The whole building exploded and she was in there. On top of that, Superior Octopus uses his Octobots around the city and he spots Verna. And already she has successfully restored her other siblings. So there are six of them now, if you include Moreland, who is, you know, over on his own fighting Peter Parker. But not only that. You can see that Verna has Gwen's dimensional watch on her wrist. Building explodes. Somebody else has Gwen's watch. Things are not looking good for her. I'll read to you directly from page 11 here. Miles says, Miles Morales, another Spider-Man, he says, that, That's Gwen's watch. But if Verna has it, and then Mayday Parker says, No. Oh no. Spider-Punk cuts in. Guys, I know. And we'll mourn her later. But we don't have time now. Your world doesn't have time. Now I like this. Because I, I was a little bit bothered by the fact that we didn't really see Spider-UK or Noir Spider-Man uh, get mourned. But now we we see them spell out what, um, you know, with... We see them spell out what I was thinking, which is that they didn't mourn the characters because they haven't had time yet, right? They've been in the middle of battle this whole time. My only hope, though, is that when Spider-Punk says we'll mourn them later, I hope that later comes, you know, before the end of this series. If Adam were here, I'd ask him, you think Gwen survived this somehow, or is she really a goner? And I'll give you all a moment to ponder that question. I think what Adam would say in response to my question is a couple things. First, he'd say, well, the fact that you're asking me if she's alive immediately makes me think she's alive. Also, it's sort of a trope, right? When you see something explode and you're meant to assume a character is in there. I mean, you didn't see a body, right? So that person, maybe that person's still alive. So the spider people, they uh, in the aftermath of this, this apparent death of Spider-Gwen, they uh, jump dimensions with their wristwatches. They go to Loom World, which is also known as Earth-001. For those of you that are unfamiliar, every universe in the Marvel multiverse is given a label, you know, a numeric label. Our main universe, that's Earth-616. So Earth-001, this is where you find the Master Weaver in the web of life and destiny. While they're in the Loom world, they, they have a debate. So some people, especially Miles Morales, think that they should go to Earth-616 and get Peter Parker, our Peter Parker, and some of the other more experienced spider people from our world, you know, including Jessica Drew, that's Spider-Woman, and uh, Anya Corazon, that's Spider-Girl, because these more experienced Spider-People, they're going to know what to do. And in fact, like I mentioned before, and Miles mentions this, Peter Parker is the one quarterback the whole thing last time. Without him, they wouldn't have defeated the Inheritors. I know what you're all thinking. That's a great point, Miles Morales. How can anyone argue against that? Well, 
I got to tell you, Superior Octopus, he agrees. They need reinforcements, but he makes a couple good points. In his words, he says, yes, we need reinforcements, but, and I quote, not the imbeciles you mention. Because why is Peter Parker an imbecile? Well, last time they fought the Inheritors, Parker is the one that decided we're not going to kill them. He's the one who had the idea of sending them to that radioactive garbage dimension. If Adam were here, I'd ask him. I mean, do you think this is right? Should they have killed the Inheritors? And I think he would say, yeah, they're mass murderers. It's like Batman and the Joker. You've got to put these evil people down. And then I would gently remind Adam, yes. But at the same time, if, if Doc Ock didn't mess around with that clone technology, the Inheritors wouldn't have come back. So I see both sides of it. At, the, at this point, we essentially get a spider-people civil war. We split into two camps. You've got the, yes, let's go kill the Inheritors group. That's, of course, Superior Octopus. And who else joins him? Female Doc Ock. Octavia Otto, no surprise there. But the one that was a surprise, Spider-Punk. He, he agrees with Superior Octopus. He wants to kill the Inheritors. And this is a little heartbreaking because his good friend Spider-Ham takes the other side. He's with Miles Morales. He doesn't want to kill the Inheritors. So the other side of this, that's Miles Morales, Spider-Ham, and Mayday Parker. The three of them... They don't want to kill the Inheritors. They want to go find Peter Parker and those other more experienced spider people that I mentioned. And they all go off in their own direction, right? Doc Ock goes with his crew. I, I like what they're doing here. You know, it's boring if they all get along. The only thing I don't love about this is that because Doc Ock, Superior Octopus, now has this alliance, these other people around him, that are validating his morally grave views, we're sort of delaying his reckoning. I keep saying, I want to see him have to face the consequences of his moral inadequacies. Uh, and I hope that happens. I hope it happens at some point in this series, but I think it's going to be further down the road at this point. After all the spider people leave and go off in their own direction, Verna shows up to fight Master Weaver to the death. And if you remember, Master Weaver is Karn, right? That's Verna's brother. While they're fighting, we see that Miles Morales has gone to help Peter Parker fight Merlin. Remember, that's the Peter Parker who's getting beat up in Spectacular Spider-Man. Spider-Ham is going to recruit some other Spider-People. And we don't see it, but we presume that Mayday Parker is doing the same thing. Superior Octopus, he changed outfits. And he is now going by his old moniker, the Superior Spider-Man. And then he decides, we need to go find more Spider-People, but we need to find Spider-People who have had life experiences that would predispose them to follow my leadership. I.e., I, I, Doc Ock, need to find Spider-People that are willing to kill the Inheritors. Who comes to mind here? Well, the first person he goes to recruit is Spider-Man from the new PlayStation 4 video game, finally making his way into comics. And we only see a panel here where he goes to grab that version of Peter Parker. But if you go and grab Spider-Geddon issue zero, you can see an entire issue dedicated to the superior Spider-Man going to recruit this incarnation of Peter Parker. And I will again say I recommend that issue. It has a few genuinely touching moments, especially since the PlayStation 4 version of Spider-Man has a, a pretty complicated relationship with Dr. Octopus. And remember, superior Spider-Man who has gone to recruit Peter Parker is Dr. Octopus in Peter Parker's body. So this makes for some interesting interaction between them, and it brings up some complicated feelings for Peter Parker. 
So that's, that's not a necessary read to understand the story here, but it's worth a read. Superior Spider-Man then goes to recruit Kane. That's a clone of Peter Parker. And then Kane says, you know, we can also go recruit this other clone of Peter Parker named Ben Riley. Superior Spider-Man is a little bit hesitant about this because Ben is pretty messed up right now. You see, Ben Riley typically goes by the name Scarlet Spider. But this villain, the Jackal, wanted to perfect the cloning process. The way he decided to go about it is he killed Ben Riley, then brought him back to life, messed around with some cloning tech, then killed him again, brought him back to life. He did this 27 times. This repeated cycle of dying and coming back to life really scrambled Ben Riley. He was so screwed up that after he escaped the Jackal, he himself started calling himself Jackal, took on the persona of the very villain who was fighting him. And he decided to continue the Jackal's work. He went so far with it that he attempted to kill all of humanity in order to bring us back as immortal clones. So thankfully, he was stopped. And currently, he's living in Las Vegas, trying to relearn how to be a hero, and is once again calling himself the Scarlet Spider. So I think we can all sympathize with the superior Spider-Man's view here that maybe recruiting Ben Riley not such a great idea. But they go ahead with it, and I am hoping that we see some good interaction between Doc Ock and the Scarlet Spider, since now they both have some uh, villain experience. We cut back to Verna fighting the Master Weaver in their battle to the death. And Verna tells Karn something that he didn't realize. By becoming the Master Weaver, Karn has officially become a spider totem. And you know what that means. It means that Verna can eat his energy. And she does exactly that and kills him. Karn is dead again. And then... Adam, if you're listening to this, I know you were worried about Spider-Gwen. But you don't have to worry. Because she wakes up on top of a building. And she freaks out because she doesn't know where she is. And she notices she doesn't have her web watch anymore. Which means you can't really get back home. Can't hop dimensions. And we are told through a caption that this is Earth 3109. And then we see, to be continued. So when I said not to worry about Spider-Gwen, I meant she's alive. Uh, Maybe we should worry about her a little bit because I googled Earth 3109. I'm not ashamed to admit it. And I can't find any reference to it except in descriptions of this very issue. So I believe, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe this is the first time In the Marvel Universe, in the Marvel Multiverse, we've ever seen Earth 3109. So who knows what to expect? That's the end of the issue. And overall, I mean, if you can't tell, I enjoyed the issue. You know, the back and forth between all the different Spider characters was very entertaining. And it would be it would be easy to to not do a great job with that because you've got a bunch of characters that by their nature are almost the same person, right? They're all just different versions of of Spider-Man. But they're they're different enough while still f- sticking to the spider theme that this is an entertaining issue. I especially enjoyed the interaction during the should we or should we not kill the inheritors debate. I will say we've now had two issues of essentially nonstop action and panic. I'm hopeful that the next issue slows down a little bit and we can really more thoroughly enjoy the act, the um, the interaction between the spider people. And I, like I said, I think that now that the superior Spider-Man has surrounded himself with like-minded allies. It's probably going to be some time before he truly has to deal with the moral consequences of his actions. But you know it's going to happen. 
I mean, eventually they're going to get to a point again where they have to kill the inheritors or not kill them. And we're going to have to see Superior Spider-Man make a choice. And I'm going to make a prediction here. Spider-Verse, four years ago, we saw this play out. Superior Spider-Man wanted to kill the inheritors, but he was stopped. I don't think they're going to want to do the same ending twice. So as far as I can see it, in order for this series to end differently, one of two things has to happen. Either Superior Spider-Man has to decide on his own, maybe he's convinced, but he needs to make the ultimate decision not to kill the Inheritors. He can't try and kill them and get stopped. He has to decide not to. Or he goes to kill them and succeeds. I, my, my gut says it's going to be the latter. That he's going to kill the Inheritors. And maybe after this story, he goes full-on villain and his time as a hero is over. I have a feeling it could go that way. I kind of hope not. Because I, I like seeing him as this kind of gray area hero struggling between good and evil. But we'll see. Last thing I'll say is that there are two major risks when you tell a big story like this. Number one, it's hard to follow because there's so much going on. And there's definitely a little bit of that here. If you read Spider-Geddon and you're not very familiar with everything that's happened up until now, there will be moments where you scratch your head. Like you see Master Weaver, and you are wondering, what the heck is a Master Weaver? But usually they give enough context that you can, you can piece together enough of what's happening. So I'll say this first risk, not really knowing what's going on, that risk is mostly averted. They do a good job of that. The other risk is that the issue is overwhelmed with so much action that it overshadows the emotional side of the story and the action becomes meaningless. The comic definitely does not fail there, but it struggles a little bit. Like I said, in the first issue, I saw two big characters die and I essentially felt nothing. But I, I did see some more emotion this issue, and I, I, I am hoping that over the next couple of issues, the scales balance a bit, that emotional side plays up, and all the crazy action until now will be worth it and will truly mean something. Issue, uh, issue three comes out in a couple weeks. Can't wait to see where it goes. But until then, I'm Gil, and I read comics. Oh, and now, Adam... Uh, I'm gonna probably do a solo episode where I'll, you know, do a mini episode where I'll talk about, you know, a comic, maybe Spider Geddon. Let's record a reaction as if you were on the episode. Like, be like, "Wow, what a great comic! Thanks for telling me about it." <laughs> what a story, Gil! <laughs> that comic was nuts. That part where Spider-Man, you know, went just he he went crazy all over everyone. Couldn't believe it. Best comic you've ever told me about. That's right. And until next time, I'm Gil, and I read comics. Yeah. <laughs>